Welcome back into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Take off your shoes. Take off your jacket. Hang it on the little hat rack over here. Of course, we're in the actual House of Wrestling now. And joining us here by the fireside is none other than our good friend from Fightful.com, Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, welcome to House of Wrestling. It's great to be here. I think this is the first time we've done anything on camera together, unless we got caught in each other's like viral clips or anything like that. In, in the background of maybe junkets, there's there's maybe some technical cameos there, but I guess that's true. I, guess, I mean, we've definitely been in media scrums together, of course. Yeah. So there are you know either forty five minute to five hour long pieces of scrum content, depending on really just depending on how much Tony Khan wants to talk about attendance numbers. And and whatever else really comes to mind, it, that's going to sell the length of the scrum. Yeah, I prefer to not have the director's cut edition of those scrums. I like I like the more concise ones, but it is what it is. I, I actually don't go to the AEW ones much anymore because there's not exclusive content that I can pick up there. But maybe that's going to change soon. Mm, yeah, you're. Are you talking about our friend Adam Hopkins jumping in? I, I am. I think maybe that might might change a few things. I hope so, man, because it would be great. And just we'll riff here for a little bit at the top. I'm with you, man. Like I, I'm more. I'm much more uh, aimed at going to WWE events these days because you go there on a Thursday. There's a there's a media row, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. now at like Mania Thursday, Friday, two media rows. I talked to more than two dozen WWE talent. You know, and got some great content, as as you and, did as well at WrestleMania, right? And then you go golf in your free time to not get interviews at all, from what I understand. <laughs> Look, the Top Golf thing. There was a Top Golf event for the Special Olympics. Um, we didn't really get the time with the talent that we were expecting, but man, was it great to just? Sit, I, I want to play Top Golf so bad. <laughs> I really do. Well, my big Top Golf achievement was. Um, they they had like a little area of like a couple plexure ones for people who weren't the the athletes or the superstars could you know drive a couple balls if you wanted. I'm a I like playing golf. I my first shot is always my best shot, and then I overthink everything and it just deteriorates immediately. But that first shot's always killer. I grabbed their big Bertha club. I walked over that thing. I drilled this thing from the top, 330 feet to the back wall. I was so damn proud of myself. Crushed it straight. Titus O'Neill's longest drive of the day. 315. I tracked it. Okay. Oh, I outdrove Titus O'Neill, who was the, by far the best of the wrestlers there. That's my little, so whatever. Didn't get the interviews I wanted, but little nice. tip of the hat there, Sean. You got a story, and that's that's what matters. That's oh, what God. matters there. And well, I actually, I love doing the community events too, just because I, I genuinely enjoy being at those things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the media row there is they, they've, they've got it. They've got it down. They've if I go there and get five to seven minutes with any number of wrestlers, that's good for me. That's content for me. We've already got those sponsored. So a lot of people ask why we don't why I don't go to AEW events. It's just because I can't get anything exclusive and it's more valuable for me to be at home reviewing the show. And I mean, my God, just picking to stay home last year's double or nothing was great for me because uh, regardless of what Mark Madden will tell anybody, I could not have covered that those stories there. Like I, hit or miss Wi-Fi, anything when you're traveling, being at home helped me cover that and the CM Punk thing later that year. So much, so much easier. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I like the I, look. I always have a good time at AEW Ring of Honor shows, but then you yeah. get back there and it's your 
you're getting maybe 30 seconds of question time with a, with a handful of people. And again, it's when it's in a scrum, it's not really exclusive content because those they're, they're, they're pressers, right? It's like, it exists for everybody, which is uh, unfortunate, but those one-on-ones very, very important. So yeah, I hope somebody at AEW is listening, Adam, who I hope Adam takes control. Maybe love Mandy. Very good hire for them. Very good hire. Um, all right, well, we got a lot to get to here today. Uh, we got about 40 minutes left. Uh, before we get to it, if you're watching us here live in Living Color, that is because you are watching us on the Premier Streaming Network every Tuesday and Thursday, noon Eastern. Come over to Premier Streaming Network to find House of Wrestling. We got a rotating cast of co hosts, different guests every week. Come on by. And of course, uh, the big news uh, our new co owner, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, now on the board of ownership here at Premier Streaming Network. I'm hoping he comes by. I haven't even got to talk to my new... Well, he's not my boss. I'm not an employee, but I haven't even got to talk to him yet, Sean. I haven't either. I've never spoken with him, I don't think. Um, like, very elusive, that guy. Yeah. Seems like an interesting guy. He does right? seem like an interesting guy. I mean, he's got quite the career path. Yeah. Yes. So, you, anyway, I mean, if you're in his position, you have to want to have done some of the stuff that, that he's done in wrestling. Like you, have, you really have to have desired doing that because those certainly weren't jobs that he needed. No. And now we're hearing all about it. And like, that's the thing is, does Vince yeah. kind of regret it? Or it's like, this guy's too well spoken and known. We got to keep hiring these like college. Can we get nothing but college interns that'll work for bagels and say nothing? They can all sign oh my NDAs. God. Right? Then, then they realize there's an audience in it, and then they spill everything. Like <laughs> there are people that work there for a week or two. They'll be like, "Yeah, this is how it went down. This person was supposed to win at Mania. They didn't." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." You know, it is. It's so easy to just put former WWE writer blank anything in a headline. I'm not saying we do that, but it is a super easy grab for uh, websites out there. Oh, I saw the, the lowest hanging fruit that I've ever seen. Besides, of course, you know. Former WWE employee, and it's like Russo all the time. Right. Because you can't put his name in the headline and anybody click on it. But I saw someone aggregate a podcast from somebody, and it says, former WWE employee, and it was a lady who did data entry for them. <laughs> it had nothing to do with anything. We just started a podcast after that. This same person, the same woman, said I should not have covered an MLW story because I wasn't live at the event. MLW fed me the information for me to do it. She was like, no, you shouldn't ever do that. And I was like, okay, listen, we're just going to pack it up here. Uh, I think, I think you've got the experience edge on me. I can't compete with this. Yeah. Um, well, uh, later on here in the show, we're going to hear from another pro wrestling journalist, uh, Bill after I have an exclusive interview with Bill after that's going to drop tomorrow in the house of wrestling podcast feed, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. Uh, of course, you haven't yet. Subscribe, like, comment on uh, the uh, House of Wrestling podcast feed. And then later on the show, at the end of the show, I'm going to play a short clip from my interview with Bill. Um, it is not newsy. It is about as time the Catskill Mountains is going to give you, an, uh, I mean, the most accurate, like this is Bill after at his essence type content. The whole rest of the interview, we talk in depth about Andy Kaufman and all this other stuff that I'm sure is very interesting to you. But I personally love this clip. We're going to play it at the end here. Um, and for all of our interview content going forward, uh, we're going to start to roll out uh, clips on the House of Wrestling YouTube channel. The full interviews will be on the podcast feed, but we've got stuff with Conan. We've got the Jonathan Gresham breaks his silence uh, on Ring of Honor and AEW exit. We've got uh, Dax Harwood. So we've got some big names. We're going to start busting that up into clips, uh, putting out on the YouTube channel. So you can check it out there. 
uh, and go there for all your House of Wrestling content. Isn't this weird to hear me talk about my content strategy with you, Sean? It seems awkward. I like it. Is it? I like it. Because, I mean, okay. we we had have had different strategies in the past. I mean, you were doing a lot of stuff daily, and that's something I always liked. Like, you would have an interview out like three, four times a week at, at some points at, where you were before. I don't know if I've got to call it where you were before. Like, You can call it Wrestling Inc. I'm, I'm okay. fine. We ended on fine terms. It's whatever. Out West. When you were out West <laughs> working for Colorado. <laughs> one of those. <laughs> one of those things. Sure. Sure. Yeah, Dusty I always, I always liked. Uh, I mean, I could always count on there. There would be a Nick Hausman interview multiple times a week. And I always I always liked that. Thank you. Well, we're, we're we're ramping up. You know, it's a slow roll here. There's a lot of stuff. Obviously, you know, behind the scenes with the website, you got to take care of day to day. So once oh, yeah. all that stuff gets settled, once we find that groove, Sean, I promise you, I'm going to bring you so much content, and all the aggregators will be so so happy. I, I promise they will be so so happy. I'm I mean, shocked, man. Even stuff I didn't think was going to become popular. Like I got Conan. Uh, somebody hit me up on on Twitter. It was like, who's better, Dom or MJF? And I got into a fight with him, and I was like, screw this. I'm going to take it to Conan. I went to Conan, asked about it. Then I wrote up an article about it. I emailed it to everybody. And all of a sudden, everybody's talking about Dom and MJF. And I'm like, this is stupid. This is a dumb thing that I came up with. And then it got to the point where MJF actually commented on it. And I said, this story has jumped the shark. It's ridiculous how that stuff works, Sean. You know? And I mean, that's a, that's a tip to anybody who's looking to launch or, or enhance their website do original content that yeah. that results in citations and link backs and improved SEO and all that good stuff. And I, I have been shocked that so many wrestling outlets have just gotten completely out of the exclusive game to do aggregation because it's quick. It's easy. It's cheap for a lot of people, the exclusive stuff. It, it, oh, it may not pay off. Like I see people that get frustrated because their, their, their interviews have like a few dozen, views or something do do what nick does do what what we do like transcribe them send them out let people know that they exist let them know that they're out there and then uh if you do that part of the work people will be like oh well, we we need to pay more attention to what they're doing i do not hear you are you muted i'm muted i was muted there can you hear <laughs> Sorry, my my computer for whatever reason tried to sync with my AirPods. I'm just gonna take them out over here now. I don't know what I, happened. I thought you were playing the audio of when I DDT'd Shaza at Black Label Pro. I thought that's what that was. No, no. Yeah, there it went again. He loved it so much he played the audio clip again. Played it again. All right. I I, I don't know what is happening right now. I want to throw these things across the room. They're sitting here politely to the side. Um, I've. I've lost track of things. Oh, yeah. So aggregating for everybody out there to put a button on this. Longest opener ever. Um, the, I like the in-person, on-the-record commentary. I like getting that yeah. stuff back. I like talking to people about stories. And oftentimes, Sean, what I feel like I'm asking people about on the record are things that you have reported, Sean, because you do uh, both uh, on the record and off the record, you do a lot of behind the scenes exclusives, obviously, right? That's a dangerous yeah. business to be in. That's a very easy way to piss people off, Sean. It is. And I have found, at least for people that have reading comprehension and media literacy, that when they see us in person with hundreds of wrestlers, it does lend a lot of credibility to the things that we report that are on background or anonymously sourced or things like that, because they realize that we do have access to these talent. I remember 
years ago, even I doubted. I was like, how could anybody have access to these wrestlers to know this stuff? I thought it was such an impossibility. But uh, now it, we're, we're able to do that and we're able to sort of report both of those, which is it can be a slippery slope. It can be dangerous. But ultimately, we get to decide what we do, which is the, the nice benefit of that. Well, one of the few stories that I have been able to share some exclusive news on is the one we're going to center our news discussion around here today. And that is all things CM Punk and AEW. Now, obviously, Sean, I am somehow involved in this uh, conversation about CM Punk and AEW ever since the well, it's your Beat fault. It's your <laughs> fault completely. It's you caused this. You sound you sound like the you sound like the bag guy at the grocery store I go to who said that to my face as I'm checking out at the grocery store. Hey man, what's it like to kill AEW? Oh, I don't know. What's it like to bag my butter and milk? I mean, come on, you know, experience. Should have should have looked at him and said, "I bought your house with this butter and milk." <laughs> That's what you should have done. Yeah, so I don't think I killed AEW or this is all my fault. We'll get into who who can finger point anyway here but i'm somehow now involved in this story uh it made it uh so much easier to get people in and around this story to talk to me once they saw that i was somehow involved with it and then now i know entirely too much much like somehow you do as well sean um so <laughs> yeah, it's does it feel like you're watching a different show than other wrestling fans because i don't even feel like when i'm watching things happen in the ring now like i i can't like whatever Tony Khan is trying to do, I'm not watching the same show as what he's booking or what people are watching. Does it feel like that to you? Well, I, I, I'm not sure what you mean there, but like, like in, in what sense, like watching a different show? I'm watching the way people are reacting to things. I am watching who is booked with who and when sure. and where. I am watching the nuance and yes. I am watching the, I'm listening to the verbiage. I There's just little things that I, I watch now as somebody who knows too much, I'm like, hmm, what's going on there? And I think too much a lot of the times because of that, I think. I think that I've been doing that with AEW for such a long time because of the Cody Bucks Omega right. thing anyway, because I was just waiting for those two worlds to clash and now they may never do it. Mm -hmm. I was like, surely they're going to do this big hot angle with Cody and the Bucks and the Elite one day. But no, they was off into the Cody verse and it's it's starting to look a little bit more like that now. As well, because of the, I don't know, the CM Punk collision verse, I guess. Yeah, it, it is. You know, as much as people don't want to try to find the comparisons to what happened with Cody and the Elite and Punk and the Elite. And I got chided a little bit, you know, by Cody, uh, who did, who said, because I went on Meltzer's show and was, talk, was making that yeah. comparison. And Cody went on Twitter and was like, I love the Elite, finger bang, uh, too sweet, whatever. And... What fine, I'll take it your word, okay? But there there does seem to be a lot of similarities here with just the way that there's an inability to communicate and find common ground to do business together that I do think is is history repeating itself a little bit. You agree yeah, with that? I, yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. Obviously, things didn't degrade to that point with Cody, and I don't think they ever would. Right. Uh, I, I and that's not a shot at punk or anybody like that, but also I just I feel like Cody handles things so much differently right than than a cm punk he's much more calculated and the 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 buttoned up suit cody that we see on tv is more reflective of his personality outside of the screen than than what we would see out of a cm punk in that sense like he did he resembled probably an evp in in appearance and backstage demeanor more than anybody 
So I didn't expect him to ever handle it like that. And it's, I think what I've learned is that the Bucks and Omega are very satisfied, just not really talking about their issues with people. Hmm. Uh, if they can avoid it, uh, contrary to what CM Punk may believe. Uh, but I, I felt like there was always something like that bubbling up and it would appear on screen because the money just made too much sense for it. And and now I look at this situation, I'm like, wow, we've got a similar situation that did blow up and we have no idea if it'll actually bubble over on screen or not. Well, let's start. Let's go back a little bit here first. So before we get to all in or all out and, and where we're at right now, I wanted to take a little bit look back uh, at, at how we got here. First of all, before Punk even gets into the company, I was under the impression AEW had tried to get Punk early on and were unsuccessful in doing so. Um, is that is that sound familiar to what you were hearing? Yep. They had been in talks with him for quite some time. Uh, I can tell you that one of the only times that I did get anything from Colt Cabana on this situation was me reaching out around the time that I reported that he was coming in and Colt said, Oh, I, I don't know if it's any more likely than the other times that I heard they were talking to them. So he had been aware of that right. at least as of then. And I was like, okay, well he's coming in just so you know, type of thing <laughs> uh, just to see what I could find out what the locker room morale was in that sense. And to his credit, he hit me with a, I don't really want to talk about him. It's not good for my mental health type of thing. Sure. I said, all right. But it, it had been clear to me that they had been talking for quite some time. And I think Punk even mentioned that, like before Brody's passing, they had been they had been in talks and that situation and how quiet the locker room kept that particular situation uh, appealed to him. And he, he thought that, that that reflected well on them. So when they weren't able to get Punk early on, um, it was really not a secret in wrestling circles that Punk and Cabana were not on good terms, right? Sure. Like something had happened. Nobody really knew what had happened. We all knew something had happened at the trial. There was all these, you know, specu there's all this random speculation. So when they weren't able to get Punk, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget being in the media scrum. I don't forget. I don't remember exactly which show it was. I, maybe Double or Nothing, like 2021, 2020. But uh, somebody asked about Cabana and Tony was like, Oh yeah, he works here now. Never got the all elite graphic, right? N Tony never put out the, the the tweet or anything like that, but did confirm Colt was with the company or Scott was with the company, and I was very surprised by that. As soon as they he said that in the scrum, I was like, they're not getting punk. Like it felt very <laughs> weird. It did. It just it, it was like you're not going to hire this guy at the same time you're bringing in punk. It just felt a little weird to me the timing of when Cabana was brought into AEW. I don't know if that felt at the time, interesting to you or not. It did. And that's when I had heard, oh, well, maybe there, there have been some discussions with Punk, but nothing. You always hear stuff like that, right? Like for years you hear this this network wants Punk on this show, et cetera, et cetera. So that wasn't anything uh, necessarily groundbreaking. But that, you're right. When that happened, I was like, oh, so maybe things <laughs> fell out there. Because I would, I would have loved to have heard whatever kind of conversation that Tony and Punk had next, because that certainly hasn't emerged. Right. Because right. how how was that not broached? See, the, the the thing about the whole Cabana Punk thing is, I don't know that. I don't really feel like Tony has um, an allegiance to Cabana necessarily. Like I feel like Tony always wanted Punk, the action figure. Like Cabana was somebody who's friendly with the Young Bucks had obviously helped a lot of people in the locker room sell a lot of shirts, open the door for podcasting. 
there's certainly a case to be made that Cabana, if there's another table outside of WWE, deserves to sit at that table, right? With that, though, at the same time, you have this understanding. It's probably not going to make somebody that I do am interested in getting very happy. So it was it was the hiring of Cabana meant as something for the good of the company? Was it meant as a, a sign to CM Punk who were negotiated broken down? I don't really know. I don't really know if we'll ever know. But that was a very interesting move, I thought, at the time. As it appeared, they were circling in on signing CM Punk, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And uh, again, that's one of those stories that I've asked about numerous times, but that's Tony's not going to say anything out no loud way! about that. No. And, and Punk, Punk has made it abundantly clear that he doesn't like wrestling media. Like, I don't know if you remember, but when I was in that scrum with him, he's like, I'm going to call on Sean and ask him why I have him blocked. I knew why he had me blocked. It's because I sent him a tweet. He went to my profile. He saw wrestling writer and he said, goodbye. Right. <laughs> right. And at that stage of his life, why wouldn't he have in like 2015, 2016? He wanted nothing to do with media. Still wants nothing to do with media. So we're not going to really probably ever get those answers. Correct. Yes. And uh, I, you know, we'll get to, you know, Punk, he texted me the day after all in and stuff like that. And we seem to be fine. Right. No, no bitter heat there. But yes, yeah. it is. It's a complicated relationship. Uh, Philip Jack Brooks has with the with the press. So Cabana comes in. Uh, time goes by. Punk comes in. And now uh, with Punk coming in uh, shortly after we start to hear these reports that uh, Cabana is being like relegated to Ring of Honor. There's maybe a situation where Punk's not wanting to work with Cabana. This, in general, this I'm not exactly sure where all of it came, but this narrative starts to form that Punk is somehow responsible for Cabana moving to Ring of Honor. Um, correct, right? Yeah, that's okay. So I had first heard about this story in in March of last year. That oh, okay, well, Colt wasn't going to have his deal renewed. And a lot of people were pointing the finger at punk wasn't from the bucks. It wasn't from the elite that that's about all I can say. I'll never out a source, but I'm, I'm happy to clear up in this situation who it wasn't. And sure. it wasn't them. And it wasn't Colt Cabana. Cause he long before that had said, don't want to talk about this guy for my mental health. Right. But that, that was certainly the, the discussion around revolution 2022 and the subsequent weeks which was long before a lot of the reports had even emerged about it. But that was a discussion. And it was among some people that were that were punk supporters and punk allies and, and things like that. Yeah. And I'm not entirely like, you know, I've heard from a lot of people. I haven't I have not ever heard of anybody saying directly that punk was requesting anything. It, it, what sure. it felt like to more because, again, Tony, uh, we don't really know Tony's motives with Cabana here. Right. Why he brought him in why he pushed, you know, allowed him to be pushed away when Punk came in. What is Cabana just this tool that is used to dictate when things are good and bad with CM Punk? That's kind of like one of the things I wonder about here. Like if Tony knows like Punk and Cabana don't get along, well, Punk doesn't need to tell me to not have this guy. I'll just do it for exactly. him. I'll just move him of my own volition. And I think that there may have been a conflagrate conflagration. I think I fucking I butchered that word. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, I think a, a confluence. There was a confluence of things that came together at the same time and got misconstrued. I think at certain points as punk uh, directives versus things that I think Tony may have been doing independently. I, I, I don't know if that's a fair statement to make or not. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly can't assume that situation, but that's the feeling that I got. 
Right. And um, I had never I had never necessarily heard that punk pushed for it. Right. I heard, you know, except for some some real big detractors in the company that I think maybe cooked up that scenario in their own head. And I would never have sourced them anyway or used them as a source. But it was always a well, they did. Or this is what Tony did likely to appease him without him even needing to say that, which is why there's that plausible deniability associated with that. Because from from what I had heard, it was just a don't talk about me. I won't talk about you type of situation. Correct. Yeah, And I had heard there's like something where Punk had asked to be on separate flights from Cabana or something just so they don't have to awkwardly sit in in like airport lounges. I don't know if that's 100 percent true or not, but I, I don't know if that was misinterpreted. You something know, I don't even think of it because like <laughs> nobody, like, nobody yeah. except for like Alex Zane on occasion flies out of the same airports as me. Like I never see people that I'm I see at these shows there. So, of course, that's. Of course, why wouldn't he want that now that I think about that? That right. is just something that has never even hit my brain waves. So, again, I'm just kind of spitballing out loud. A lot of things I heard at the time around this situation that were making people feel a certain way, right? And, again, I, I was under the impression that you don't talk about me, I don't talk about you kind of yeah. thing. We're not looking to get any direct heat. But, but moves are being made that are being interpreted, and this narrative starts to come along that somehow CM Punk is, like, holding – uh, Colt Cabana back backstage. Um, so then we get to this promo when Hangman Page and CM Punk are feuding, and Hangman takes this narrative that has been form fermenting against CM Punk, and without Punk's <laughs> express consent or knowledge, decides to bring it into the story here, and that's where things start to kind of, I think, spill over a little bit. I think that's where the dam starts to break. You agree? Yeah, and I got mixed feelings about that one, too, because CM Punk, of all people, has problems with bringing up, you know, real-life scenarios and, and edgy lines and all that. Sure. And when I heard that line, I didn't even think about that initially. And right. I think a lot, of, a lot of wrestling fans didn't, but that did cause a lot of friction, and that's why I keep telling people this whole situation is about perception. CM Punk appear, was upset about how things were perceived to be that he says weren't the case. Correct. And now we are inching up to the all-in media scrum because you're right. This is where, uh, from what I've gathered, uh, the, the trust started to deteriorate between both sides because it may not, you might just say, oh, that's a stiff line. Punk should have thicker skin. But, you know, again, the narrative that's being crafted here that Punk is a problem, Punk is bad for Cabana's mental health, Punk is doing all these horrible things. It's a narrative, right? And he's not really, you know, he's trying to stand there and do his best to be professional. But when you can't trust that somebody's not going to uh, skewer you like that or maybe has actual animus in their heart towards you, then you got to go in a wrestling ring and you got to put your body on the line and trust this person with you with all this weirdness going around. And I think that's where uh, Punk started to get into his head and things started to like magnets uh, going against each other. The trust was just not there. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, there was, there was a big lack of trust there. I can tell you that the punk wasn't happy. He, he had went to AEW management about the hangman line and wanted something done about it. Was not satisfied with that result. We saw the very awkward call out on TV. The people swore up and down. We were getting worked about with, yeah. with hangman. 
And then things just bubbled over. Of course, we didn't know about the injury and all that booking. I, I don't want to minimize the injury. It's just the injury that he talked about. There were so many little things throughout all this that Punk kind of spewed out over the course of brawl out, the all out thing, and then the Instagram post. It's so hard. Like, the, I think you got to draw like an actual timeline to put the allegations on there. Well, and that's what I'm trying to go through here because if if you go back, you're right. At that moment where the Punk wanted something done with Paige about this promo line, if Tony Khan had wrapped his arms around that situation and gotten those guys into mediation at that moment and said, we can't have this, right? This could have all been averted, but it does not sound like that happened. Time goes on, situation's unresolved. Now Punk's in a place where backstage, it would seem, divisions are getting worse because there's nothing on the surface to tell me things are getting better. Right. And I remember an interview he did with Hangman did with you in yes. June where he was like, I don't really want to talk about that type of yeah. thing. Well, and, and I was asking, I asked Hangman and Punk both about that promo in the media scrums after their match. Um, and yeah, Paige seemed very knockable. Punk seemed upset that I asked him about it. Seemed upset every time I asked him about anything, to be quite frank, during this period of time. But we were yeah. just trying to get in on, on what was going on here. So, yeah. We get to the point then, Hangman, he calls out Hangman, he does the snow, uh, the snow angels in the ring, and then the week before All In, um, there's this fan that yells out something about Colt Cabana while Punk is in the ring talking about his foot, and Punk just blasts him, he calls him a fat boy, I think, and like talks about how he can't find women, and at that point, you know, that things are kind of hanging on an edge, right? And looking back on it, because I really wanted to try to refresh my memory about everything that built into what was going to all <laughs> a lot. Dude, but then you, but looking back, like, how did we not know this was going to happen, right? Right? I, I got the feeling because I, I had heard around Double or Nothing, oh, Punk met with AEW management. And I was like, well, how serious could that possibly be? And I dug and dug. And when he went away in the summer, he went away in the summer. Like, you didn't hear much from him or his people or anything like that. So, it was very quiet, and then he returned, and there was the hopping around on one foot when he was supposedly still hurt, calling out Hangman, and I'm like, later we find out he was he was not cleared. There's so many little things that led to this apparent explosion after All Out. Yeah, and again, you know, knowing this is all happening, I just don't know how cooler heads didn't prevail because it did. It got to a point where violence became involved, right? And so now we find ourselves at All In. Punk has just won the title. He's covered in blood, walks into the room. We've all seen the video a hundred times. Do you consider yourself a journalist? Who'd you do improv with? Nick, you blew my spot. Then he goes into everybody else. Bad night for everybody, but Nick Hausman. Great night for Nick Hausman. So everybody. And, and Mindy's Bakery. A fantastic yeah. night for Mindy's Bakery. Still haven't been. But anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So I, I, uh, I'm sitting here and I'm taking all this in. You go back and you watch some of the stuff now, the, the security guards leaving the room. The whisper Chris Jericho gives to Tony Khan. There's a weird moment where I asked Chris Jericho about his advice because he had done this meeting a week before with everybody about trying to keep things under wrap. And while he knows that this wild brawl is probably going on in the other room, he's like calmly talking about the need to keep things internal. It was just a weird juxtaposition looking back on it. Um, behind the scenes, obviously, after, after Punk had left the room, what it sounds like happened here, and we're going to piece this together from like a bunch of different data points based on just roughly what we all know. And Sean, you stop me if I'm saying something that doesn't sound right or you can add color to it. 
Punk's in his room with Ace Steel and his wife and his dog. Uh, the door is closed to some extent. Yes. The Bucks arrive with uh, Kenny Omega, uh, M- Megan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. From AEW. Uh, yeah, Meg. Okay, Meg, Mega, Mega, sorry. Um, and it sounds like Nakazawa's with them and Brandon Cutler is with them. So you have five guys and, and, and an AEW executive, correct? And possibly at some point, Christopher Daniels is around the situation as well. Okay, and then I know there were other people kind of in the periphery. It sounds like MJF escaped at some point, and others just got out of the way. But those were the the people involved. So, you know, you have Punk and Ace, and then you just, I mean, you know, again, let's just look at what's going on here. Punk and Ace in a room, bunch of people who are pissed off at Punk come into the room. Sounds like somewhat aggressively, depending on the level of aggressiveness, we're not sure. Um, As I reported, Punk's dog uh, at some point... what, what I was told was yeah. the level of aggression entering the room matched the aggression in the scrum is what I was told. Okay. So something verbal becomes physical, right? And I don't understand how there's an AEW executive there, like walking these guys to the room. I don't understand that. Right. So these guys come in with this aggression. I've reported based on what sourcing I had that punk's dog uh, got hit by the door. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, Punk has shared a photo of Larry missing a tooth now that he apparently that, had to get pulled. And yeah. I can tell you guys that is absolutely a claim of CM Punk's. I can, I can, yeah, I can completely back that up. That is something that CM Punk has claimed is that his dog got hit uh, in this situation. Yeah. So you, you're sitting here, your dog is hit. These guys are coming in and, you know, Punk reacts, <laughs> punches them. Uh, sounds like I think one of the bucks first, and then everybody gets involved. The melee, a steals biting Kenny Omega. He throws a chair. Uh, this thing goes on. I, from what I've heard, like eight minutes, eight, nine, ten minutes. It's it not. Was, a, it was a very, it was a very extended, long situation. I, I had uh, reported that even Punk and Omega spoke up, like had a brief interaction afterwards. And it was Punk being like, listen, I don't have a problem with you. We can keep talking about this type of thing. And Omega's like, yeah, but Ace Steel was still doing his thing. And they're like, out of hell with that. Yeah. And it never got followed up on. Because I remember Punk leaving that room. And I think I was the last person to talk to him. Because I remember standing up and saying, Punk, dude, you were always cool to me. Because I I felt bad that he had misconstrued all of my questioning as like an attack on him when I... Just trying to figure out what's going on here. Why is everybody so pissed off with each other, right? You're serving. You're serving the consumer. You're trying Correct. to find out what your audience wants to know about. Yes, and and he and look, I've been on the Punk Cabana beat. This is not my first rodeo. I covered <laughs> yeah. their trial. I did improv with Scott, and Punk would sit in the back did, with the. WWE. Did you? Yeah, I know. That's, that's news. You see this poster? You see this improv poster on my wall back here? That's Cabana yeah. on it right there. He's on my wall. Um, oh, man. Punk would sit in the back row with the WWE Championship and watch me. It was fucking wild. Anyway, so I this is it's not my first rodeo. I know there's something there. It's just like I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Hopefully calling things out so that people can resolve whatever's going on. And we don't have this weirdness because nobody deserves to live in this. Right. So this fight uh, falls out. Uh, the Bucks, Omega, suspended. Was Punk suspended or was anybody suspended? I think the word suspension here is being thrown around in a, in a very dubious way. There were a lot of people suspended. Um, MJF was not suspended because not only did he not physically touch anybody, he got the hell out of the way. Right. I uh, was like, no good can come of this. Omega, the Bucks, 
Daniels, Cutler, and Nakazawa were all suspended in some capacity. And I know it was uh, some sort of suspension because Kenny Omega was slated to go to Japan and did go to Japan, but was supposed to go for AEW for Tokyo Game Show and didn't end up doing that. So uh, some of the other suspensions were lifted, I believe, uh, Nakazawa and Daniels, because it was clear that they were just kind of breaking things up. But the Omega Bucks stayed around a little bit longer. The Punk thing is a little bit more difficult because AEW is very staunch on we pay our injured wrestlers during the time they're injured. And he was already injured. Right. So for them to be like, oh, well, you're suspended. It would have been very superficial at that point anyway because he was out for a period. And like, what are you going to do? Not give this guy a check while he's injured from something that happened under the auspices of your company. So right. I felt like that was a very awkward, weird situation. They were in there. And I've had people mention, like they could say now between <laughs> June is when he's suspended since he's healthy now. Yeah. I, I, I just, I thought it was very, it's just, it was always very interesting to me that punk wasn't suspended. Cause you can, even if he's injured, you can just send the signal all parties here at fault equally, which I don't, I don't know internally was sent. Um, there was no police report filed to the best of my knowledge coming out of this thing um and so you know again you have a guy feels threatened guy responds one side's a threat one guy's a response right and i i don't know that the elite really loves that narrative right you know in fact, of course. I, think they, I think they hate that narrative right like they're working overtime to paint cm punk as the aggressor based off of what he said in the scrum which again probably not great not great not good not even good right what he said in the scrums there I think, I think it was bad. I thought it undermined a lot of what the company had accomplished. And I, I do think it's important. Like it wasn't just the, the elite that sort of did that. There was a, a talent meeting a few days after this that was led by Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho and John Moxley. That was like, okay, this guy says that people here haven't done anything. We headlined big shows, Tokyo Dome, WrestleMania, stuff like that. Like they can't say that. Can't say that about us. And it was a very much a if if you leak information, just don't leak your dirty laundry type of thing, because right. that's what led to all of this from somebody. If they had just man, I have no idea. Hey, these guys got walked to Punk's room and I get it. He said my door's always open. And if it wasn't open, I guess you can kick it in. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how these guys were walked to this guy's locker room. There's no way you couldn't see what was going to happen, happen, right? It was very, very fiery. Uh, keeping distance, mediation, calm discourse. If they'd have taken Punk, gone to his room and said, Punk, you got to go, man. People are pissed. You got to get out of here. We will figure you're we're going to figure this out tomorrow. Take the title off him. Make him sit at home. Punish him that way. Reward the elite. They don't have to be put in this position that they're in now, Right. And it's just a shame to me that the things were allowed to play out the way they did. And you got Jericho yelling, you're a cancer at Punk um, and all this stuff. And it just becomes a total mess. So now we find Which ourselves. I, I also want to be transparent about this. Have I talked to Chris Jericho in the past? Yes, I have. But completely no sold on the, the CM Punk situation did not contribute to those stories. It was it was other people that had told me about that, that Jericho line, actually. Well, okay. And. Oh, man, like the one thing consistent is that nobody that was there has talked directly to me about this situation. 
but I have collected information based on people that they have talked to and uh, sort of had to compare notes as to what matches up on what side. And that can be very challenging because, you know, of course people are going to omit a dog got kicked or a door got kicked down or this person threw the first punch or this person was throwing chairs around the last round of, of, me really talking to people, I found out there was a completely separate production employee that got hit with a chair as well. Like, wow. So there were, there was a lot to that. And I don't think we will ever fully know the scope of what happened unless they get into a room and do a podcast, which it's kind of funny, Nick, a podcast, a tell all podcast started the whole thing with Colt Cabana and CM Punk, what I think is the greatest podcast in wrestling history. Those two launched all of this years ago. Yeah, it is. It is what set all of this thing into motion. That one conversation where, you know, Punk took aim at a Dr. Amon. Um, Well, here we are now. um, And it looks like based on the most recent reporting, I'll start with your reporting. I'll I'll pepper in some, some observer reporting, and then we'll just kind of do a, a, free you know free flowing session here to wrap up the show um so you're saying based on what i'm reading your reporting punk's willing to return work with the elite although that feeling does not appear to be mutual working plan would be for june 21st return at wind trust here in chicago or sometime around then this would uh maybe be around the time that another show a saturday show is going to be coming about maybe announced uh we'll get to win announcer in a second could be a brand split um, Punk is also open to wrestling outside of AEW, whether that's ROH or New Japan or wherever. Different conversation. I should, I should say I, I wasn't told specifically. I, I did say that he was open to wrestling outside of AEW, but I wasn't told if that meant ROH, WWE, New Japan, or wrestling the Young Bucks in PWG, as he once said. <laughs> sure. In a bingo hall, which he Instagrammed out. Yeah. Um, in regard, here, I'll, I'll throw in the Observer stuff we'll get to Jericho's. The Observer saying that the Saturday shows will be two hours. Uh, have equal star power to dynamite. So confirming the brand split, which I think Zarian said is going to be like maybe a soft brand split, maybe harder. We'll find out. Uh, but Punk's return announcement, possibly the new show, those could be announced at Warner Brother Discoveries upfronts on May 17th. So about a month from now to give everything a nice little judge, a nice little push here as we move into the summer. Uh, AEW does have a Saturday show on July 8th. The hope is to have that show going the Saturday show before then, according to the Observer, though no other Saturday dates have been announced. And lastly here, I will throw in, uh, there is this in-person meeting between CM Punk and Chris Jericho, and I believe that Alvarez has come in and said FTR is going to be there. Um, and uh, was there somebody else? And it was FTR, Punk, Jericho, and Tony. Yeah, I, I can't confirm the FTR aspect of that, but I had heard there, there has been for quite a while a meeting plan between Jericho and Punk. Yes, I well, I have heard the FTR thing. So I, okay. I do believe that FTR uh, will be involved in that meeting of some kind. I'm very dubious that this is about them working together, though. I don't I don't think Punk yeah. wants to work with Chris. You know, I don't get that vibe at all. And so uh, I OK, go the ahead. The vibe that I get is that Punk is under the belief that Jericho wants to be able to take credit for bringing him back in, et cetera, and and all that, because. I had somebody that was I had somebody that's very familiar with him say, how would you pitch a Samoa Joe CM Punk storyline in this environment? And I was like, well, I would like hypothetically, I would just have Samoa Joe quote tweet a CM Punk story and say, fuck him. Good riddance. And then people are going to go, oh, him, too. Yeah. And that's it. And then he says nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else till then. So I got the feeling that 
that was one of those things. And again, not from punk directly, but I, I got the feeling that that was probably the direction it was going. Sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know that Jericho, I, I don't know why Jericho is the one they're going to have sit down with punk. I get it. You want somebody to represent the locker room. If, you know, if Tony feels the locker room needs to be represented in that conversation, which is the only reason I could think Jericho would be there. Um, I just don't think he's the right guy to send that message to punk. I, I I'm very, I, I don't know, man. I'm interested to see how that meeting plays out. It's 50, 50 to me that it goes well. I, I had heard that punk had been open to talking to everybody, but right. I, I don't know. I can't say specifically how the elite would have responded to that or did respond to that because I think there's a very important note that people forget about. Maybe they don't forget about the elite, but if they don't like this guy and they don't even feel safe working with him or don't want to be around him, they're renegotiating contracts right now. So if I'm the elite, I go to Tony and I say, we're not comfortable working with this guy, but you know what would make us comfortable working with this guy? This much more money. Because sure. we know what he's making. This is what we're making. And I can tell you, based on the numbers that I had heard, a gigantic discrepancy there. Yeah. Um, I don't see Tony. I don't think Tony sees him in the. I, I, I don't want to talk dismissively of the Bucks. I know they've done a lot of good things sure. for AW, but I don't think Tony sees him in the same ballpark as CM Punk value wise. I think he should in this situation. I mean, if I were Tony Khan, I'd be doing whatever I could to mend fences with Punk and the Elite, FTR and the Elite. Uh, Punk and Hangman, Punk and Cabana, if you can, for the love of God. That's like, not going to happen at this point. I know I it's think, not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. I know point. it's not going to happen, but it's I would never. at least make the effort. I would I would try to do it because no. like, that's that Punk, say Punk has it, two years left on his deal. You have his remaining programs mapped out over if, that period. I, Punk, I don't think I, – I don't, I don't want to pr pretend to speak for Punk or get into his head or anything, but I would think that he would see Cabana – at fault for all of this, which is, I think, something I've heard from others, which is, you know, even go back to the beginning here. I don't want to talk about it. Could have stopped there. It's bad yeah. for my mental health. Right now you're Pat, you're casting immediately. Punk is this bad guy who has like hurt you. Right. It's this. Well, it's a, I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that feeling. It but was if you just say a, it, but that's the thing is it does. It's like this subliminal casting of like this person hurts me bad for my mental health and little things like that. This person has a bad reputation. Nobody's like punk. Nobody ever liked punk. These little, these little microaggressions backstage. Hangman page doesn't just walk out there and say that because Cole Cabana said, uh, oh, you know, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. He makes me feel sad, you know, when we're around. No, that's not why hangman page goes out and says that the way he did to punk's face. I just don't believe it. Well, I mean, there, there are situations like, okay, for example, I did not really, I wasn't looking forward to covering All Out last year because of the MJF situation. Because I was like, I hate to use the term PTSD because it's very dramatic, but I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't want another one of these weekends. Little did I know it would be even worse. Yeah. But I, I had said even to, to people close to me, I was like, uh, that was not a good weekend for my mental health. But like, I wouldn't have necessarily, it wasn't because of MJF or anything. It was because of a lot of the responses surrounding it. And it is like you've seen anytime anybody reports anything about CM Punk, positive, negative, indifferent. It's one of those things where people will see a bias wherever they want to see bias. They'll say, you're in the elite's pocket. You're in Tony's pocket. Oh, you're, you're putting this out there because WWE wants AEW to look bad. Like there's any number of situations where people create a bias or a narrative around that. So, I mean, I could see why somebody would just be like, I don't want to talk about it at all. And to Punk's credit, about the only response I've ever gotten out of him was, 
really wish nobody would talk about me whatsoever and I would stay out of the headlines type of thing. And that's really the the extent of that, which is what made the these people are being punk's mouthpiece tweets and things like really weird. It's like, yeah, I don't I, it's, I, he, I, he would rather not be talked about from my right. understanding. Exactly. I yes, because again, the communications I had with him after all out, I mean, this guy tried to go in on me first. He wanted to make me the appetizer for the all in uh, media scrum dinner that we were all about to eat. And uh, he screwed up, right? Screwed up, said some stuff. He did. He wasn't fully informed, reached out, apologized, said I shouldn't have done it. I said, dude, you've always been cool to me. No heat here on my end. And yeah. we moved on. And he and it sounds like he was capable of, of clear headed thought to do the same thing with the with Kenny Omega the same night. So, uh, you know, it's really just a shame. I, I hope AEW learned from this situation about mediation with talent. I mean, a happy locker room is a good product. That is something that Triple H has said repeatedly here in the past few years. And now that he's got the book, you can see, well, Vince is back. We don't have enough time. But, you know, when he had the book, he was putting together a locker room that maybe not everybody was thriving, but there were people there that other people had missed and liked seeing around and liked seeing them treated well. And it gave them the assurance that they were in a place that cared about them and wanted to craft an environment where they were happy. You know, I, I can I can tell you I heard a lot like I always seek out the positive locker room morale stories as well. And people are like, oh, you're doing PR for him. Well, no, I can tell you that when Dakota Kai rolled out there at SummerSlam, I got like a dozen happy WDB talent messages that were like, oh, this is good. This is great. This is a statement that's being made. Vince rolls back in for one night present, turns into the Tasmanian devil, eats the script, then leaves. And you saw how bad the morale was. So I think that everybody kind of recognized that situation. You want a happy locker room. For so long, the, the, the thing was, oh, there are, there are no negative AEW stories. Oh, now you got them. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess to put a button on all the punk stuff, because then we'll play the after thing. We've gone a little long here. But the, the sure. final thing is the Saturday show, right? And yeah. you DM'd me after I asked Tony Khan my question at ROH Supercard that I had asked Tony Khan a loaded question. And it was like in code, because I like yes. knew the story, but I didn't know if the Saturday show was what his big announcement was, which became Wembley. And I knew that if I blew that for Tony, I would never, ever be back in a scrum again. So I just had to couch it. I had to couch it as like, oh, I hear you're uh, considering expanding into a different brand, maybe creating separate rosters. It's a way to deal with talent. Like again, all in code. And now, of course, we're seeing, yes, Saturday show, separate rosters, Punk on one brand, the Elite on the other. Does it feel like a, a uh, viable solution to you? Or do you feel like without the hatchet being buried, this is just another uh, powder keg waiting to blow up? I don't think it's a viable solution because if we're getting two more hours on primetime on Saturday, Saturday might be a worse night than Friday yeah. for, for a TV show. And what are they going to keep rampage? That sounds like not a good idea. We don't need five hours of television of aid five and a half or wait. No, all access is six. Mm -hmm. That's a full hour. Plus are you lumping in ring of honor? Oh my gosh. It's too much. It's too much. Like we got to this point a few years ago where the, the wrestling on TV was very, very saturated. And then it scaled back a little bit. And now it's, it's right back there. Right back there. It's hard. It's going to be hard for people to keep up. They're going to have to make decisions on what to not watch. And people have already made the decision to not watch Rampage. 
All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put a button on all the CM Punk AW talk uh, for today. Uh, we'll have Sean back down the road. We'll do another yeah. deep dive into whatever story we happen to be knowing too much about at the time. But right now, we're gonna wrap the show up with a clip from my exclusive interview with Bill. After we're gonna end on a high note here, we're gonna have a great time with Bill. After the full interview, seven a.m. Eastern tomorrow in the House of Wrestling podcast feed. But please, I hope you all you used to really play the Catskill this. Mountains, right? Yes. You used to Catskill comedy. To, well, no, it wasn't comedy. I was with a, uh, a group of four people. We sang, and we it was a, a musical review. It was about an hour and 15 minutes. We sang. We did some comedy, but it wasn't joke type of comedy. It was comedy songs, mm. like uh, a long, long time ago, as everyone would know, as Adam said, beneath the apple tree, the angels came, they say, and took one rib away and made a woman out of it for Adam's company. I had an x-ray taken and my doctor said to me that I had one rib missing from my anatomy. Oh, I want my rib. I That's comedy songs we did back then. Were they eating ribs while you sang about the No, ribs? they were all kosher places. They couldn't do that. <laughs> you can have beef but, ribs, right? But we, What's that? You can have beef ribs, can't you? You can, I guess so. I'm not kosher so it doesn't matter <laughs> i love that guy i love that guy he's the best oh my goodness all right i'm glad we could end on a laugh here today thank you bill after um sean what do you want to plug promote put over here before we wrap it up today uh just fightful fightfulselect.com if you want to support uh the, the work that we do the exclusive reporting that we do it's five dollars a month we got like 40 plus podcasts over there as well i'm here talking about saturation of content well Ugh. buddy we, we are fully saturated over at fightful uh so <laughs> come check us out yeah, and we're saturated here, too. We're working our way towards it. Uh, you, Hell yeah. Tw twice a week, noon Eastern, right here on Premier Streaming Network. Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern. You can find us here, House of Wrestling. Uh, today, we had Sean on Thursday. We're going to be joined by Premier Streaming Network's own Josh Chernoff. We're going to find out more about what does Freddie Prince Jr. joining Premier Streaming Network actually mean for the brand. Uh, a lot of new shows have come on board since the announcement. So we're going to talk about that a bit more. And we're going to dive into more of the, the stories we didn't get to talk about here today with Sean, other uh, big pro wrestling news stories. Again, the Bill After Chat, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow uh, on the House of Wrestling podcast feed and check out the YouTube channel. Thank you all so much for coming into House of Wrestling today and uh, come back anytime. <laughs>